Welcome back to Money Minutes for Doctors. I am your host, Christina McAteer, and once again have the pleasure of welcoming Catherine Vestness. How are you today, Catherine? I am fabulous. Thank you for asking and really excited about getting to do another Money Minutes with you. I know. Money Minutes number three. Can you believe it? So still focusing on the new tax laws, because again, there were so many changes and we want to make sure that our audience really understands these changes to take best advantage of them. It looks like today's topic, we're focusing on physicians who own their own practices, have S-corps or partners or 1099 income, and how the rules can benefit them. Absolutely. They are the huge winners under the new tax laws. I guess that kind of makes sense, knowing the background of our current president. But tell us a little overview of these new rules. Okay. Well, keep in mind that one of the purposes of these rules was really to foster uh, a better business environment for, for the entire country. And the reason I say that doctors who either own their own practices or other businesses or have even just a little side income at 1099 are the big winners is because of something called a pass-through advantage. So let me explain, if I may, a little bit. So a pass-through entity could be a partnership, it could be um, an S corporation, it could be a Schedule C. And Christy, all that means is that you don't file a separate uh, return for that partnership. The income from that goes directly into the taxpayer's um, tax return. A pass-through. So you're telling me this is income that is part of your tax return, but it's different from W-2 income? Right, exactly. So one of the great things about W-2 income is that you pay taxes as you get it every month, right? Your employer deducts it, you get some take-home pay, the taxes have been taken out. But when you're an entrepreneurial doctor, you've either got this side income uh, from moonlighting or as an extra business, most doctors do this in what's called pass-through income. As I said, they're either an S corporation, they're a partnership, or sometimes this income just goes on their Schedule C of their personal return. Now, the reason this is important is because under the new laws, you can actually deduct 20% of this income and not pay any federal income tax on it. Wow, 20%. That is a very big number. Well, huge. And when you run the dollars, it can be fantastic. So this will work for all businesses with the exception of C corporations. Um, they all C corporations got a tax break too. I think of C corporations as for the big guys, the pass-throughs is for the smaller guys. So once again, if you've got an S corp, you're a sole proprietor or an LLC that's taxed as an S corp partnership, this is going to work for you. So this is income that comes into your return, but you do not have to pay taxes on the first 20% of that income with no ceiling to it? Right. Uh, that, well, there is a ceiling. You know, with, the, <laughs> with, with, you know, with the IRS, there's going to be some gotchas. So let me explain a little bit about how it works with an example, and then I'll get to the gotchas, if that's okay. Sounds perfect. All right. So let's take a doctor who's married, he files a joint return with his spouse, and he's making $250,000 a year as a W-2 employee at his hospital. So as I mentioned before, that employer is going to withdraw his um, taxes actually before he sees his paycheck. Uh, But let's pretend for a minute that he's also doing locum work. And I have a ton of clients who are in this situation. They may make $10,050, sometimes $100,000 or $200,000 a year doing the side gig. It could be they're speaking. It could be they're doing telemedicine. 
Um, it could be they're moonlighting someplace. And very frequently, the side income they get as a 1099 independent contractor. So when you're a 1099 independent contractor, technically you're self-employed and there are no taxes that are withdrawn from your paycheck. So in my hypothetical case, let's just say uh, this doctor makes $50,000 a year, he'll get a full check for $50,000. They won't take any taxes out of it. Just thinking of this poor doctor and how excited he must be when April rolls around and he now has to pay taxes on all that money. Oh my gosh, yes. And I'm amazed at how many docs don't plan ahead. So just as an aside, if we've got doctors listening here in this situation, I always tell clients, set aside about a third, put it in a checking account or savings account someplace, earmark it for taxes, because you may not owe it now, but for sure you're going to owe it by April 15th of next year. So it can be painful. So in this case, and my hypothetical, this doctor can actually reduce that 50000 by 20% or only pay taxes on $40,000. So, you know, depending on which state he's in and so a lot of other factors, it could save him 3500 in taxes. And that's federal taxes or does that apply to state taxes as well? Well, it's federal taxes. Whether it applies to state taxes can depend upon state by state because some of them mirror their taxes based upon federal rules and others have their own set of set of rules. So that will depend state by state. But obviously, as high as the state taxes are in places like California, New York, Minnesota, uh, those federal taxes are obviously much, much higher. It's really the lion's share of the taxes that we're paying. Okay. And again, the theory behind making these changes for the IRS the th- well, the theory was they wanted to do whatever they can to promote business. And hello, it seems to be working. So uh, by that, I mean, unemployment is the lowest it's been in I don't know how long, decades maybe. Um, even some tax revenues are up because more people are working. So I should tell you, this is a technique that was used by um, both a Republican and a Democrat. Now, Ronald Reagan, the Republican, and of course, John F. Kennedy, Democrat, both went in and did dramatic tax reductions while they were in office. And when both cases, it stimulated the economy and actually produced more tax revenue. So that's the theory. Well, I hope it happens. Because again, whenever I think about the size of our national debt, it can give me many a sleepless night. Yes, I totally agree with you there. All right. So we're encouraging our physicians, if they have the typical employer-employee relationship and only get the income from the W-2, to maybe think a little bit bigger, think a little bit broader, and look for other income opportunities, as this may not only supplement their income, but really also help with their tax liability. There's never been a better time for doctors to earn some extra income and get tax advantages from it. Absolutely. It's great. So even if you're a W-2 employee, I hope you're still listening to this because you could be making another 5, 10, 20, whatever it is per year. And between this 20% deduction and other deductions that you can take against that income, you could get a lot of that tax-free. Excellent. And I'll be honest, I don't think I've met too many people who don't benefit from a little extra income. Exactly. We could all use some of that. So Catherine, you have some other examples for how this might help tax filers? With these examples, I'd like to show you some of the the gotchas, because, of course, there's always gotchas when it comes with the IRS. So this works for married filing jointly couples if their taxable income is less than $315,000 
annually. So keep in mind, Christy, taxable income is not the same as gross income. So gross income goes near the top of the first page. At the bottom of the first page of the return, we have adjusted gross income after we subtract out some things like uh, contributions to 401ks, etc. So taxable income is near the bottom of page two. So as long as you've got a married filing jointly couple and their taxable income is less than $315,000, whoopee, they will be able to take advantage of this 20% for their non-W-2 income. Now, if you're a single filer, uh, the limit is roughly is half. It's $157,500. Uh, dollars. And so anything under that, once again, you can get this 20% deduction. Now, here's where it gets a little bit interesting. So if they're joint filing a joint return, and this couple makes between 315,000 and 415,000, this deduction is actually phased out. So that's about 100,000. So if they were making, let's just say 365,000, they could use a 10% deduction. Uh, and if they get over 415000 then they can't use this deduction at all. And you're saying 415000 in Schedule C or 1099 income, or you're saying 415000 of adjusted gross income? No, actually, I'm saying 415000 of total taxable income. Now, for single taxpayers, it actually phases out at 207500 So if they're in between that range there, they can still use that deduction. They just can't use all of it. Okay. So it's sort of a little bit, maybe like the tax brackets where it applies to some of the income, but if you have excess of that, then, then it really doesn't help you much. Great. Tell me what we need to know next, Catherine. So what about those poor doctors married filing jointly? They're over 415,000. Well, they actually get a second bite at the apple in certain circumstances. And here's um, how that might play, because obviously the whole goal of this is to do planning to try to get you under that threshold so you can take advantage of this 20% deduction. So one of the things you have to look at, though, is whether or not you are a specified service trader business. So I don't know if you've ever heard of that, Christy. I have to admit complete uh, naivety here. Please tell me. Well, that's great, because before this law came out, I had never heard about it either. And this is IRS language that says if you're in the field of health, which, of course, includes all of our doctors, if you're in law, which I'm there, accounting, consulting, financial services, hello, I'm there again, and many other businesses, then it becomes much more difficult for you to qualify for this 20% deduction if you're over the thresholds and you're in a specified service business. That's very interesting. Why do they make such limitations? Honestly, I don't know how you can get in the mind of some of these <laughs> lawmakers or the IRS. Um, it's probably a lot of give and take at the negotiating tables. And also they know that people in health, law, accounting, et cetera, are probably making more money than the average population. And so once again, they are still trying to get some tax dollars in. That's the best, my best guess. I guess I shouldn't ask you to uh, understand what other people are thinking. It is something that I reflect on quite a bit because versus other industries, I feel like most times physicians are paid with W-2 income. Now, obviously, we're talking about some enticing options for alternate income sources. But with a straight W-2 income, it's very, very hard to go ahead and build wealth and you are subject to such high tax brackets with the 
uh, physician salary that we earn, it really does feel like you're being quite penalized. And then I would also ration that we have to have such high salaries because it costs so much for the education that it's the only way we can ever have hope of coming out from underneath that debt. Well, I certainly agree it's much more difficult for doctors today to build that wealth. And you've really described they're walking a tightrope between that horrific medical school loans and high taxes. And, uh, and in fact, a lot of the doctors aren't as happy today, Christy, as they were years ago. They don't like being an employee. They, they preferred it when they were running their own practices. They had more control over a lot of things. Now, with that said, I think it's not impossible today, but you have to be so much more careful if you're a doctor today with your money. You have to really plan ahead. And that's why I'm hoping some doctors will take um, a page out of the book that you talked about and think about some outside income, because that could be a way that they could make their future brighter. I think you really have to. And it's in some ways frustrating because obviously it takes so much time, energy, and effort to understand the practice of medicine. It doesn't leave a lot of time to maybe study business or finance or any of these other fields that are just so relevant to what we do. But when I hear the sentiments of the physicians, I agree with you. They're not particularly happy. And it seems a lot of colleagues are looking to get out as soon as they possibly can. So Maybe we can offer that with some of these entertaining options about possible alternate income strategies. You know, it could come into play. And I think you're right. I was talking to an emergency med doctor today before we, we chatted. And I asked him how his day was going. Going as well, it was going really well. But I had this crazy patient last night. And she's kind of threatening this, that, and the other stuff. And I knew I was going to get a nasty email today. And so I have to respond to it. And I go, oh, my goodness, are you going to get sued? He goes, I don't think so. But, you know, just making his day bad and stressful. It's got to be very stressful. And as I was chatting with him, the first thing I said was, I have no old emergency med docs as clients. Uh-oh. None. <laughs> and I think that's because the burnout. The burnout is bad. It's what you do is really exhausting. And I realized I'm going to be doing this another 30 years. So when I own my own business, I can do this a very long time. I don't have to accumulate the kind of wealth that an emergency med doc's going to have to accumulate because they're going to want to be retired by 55. Makes a big difference in how you plan. Well, I love you for thinking that. And to be honest with you, I was counting on you, hanging around till you're 85 <laughs> or 90. <laughs> All right. Well, it's a good thing we're partnering up. So what are some planning opportunities that you would suggest for our physicians? The good news is when you have a brand new law like this, there's tons of planning opportunities because the IRS hasn't come out with lots of opinions or, or letter rulings or other explanations. So one planning opportunity is you want to get your taxable income below 350000 once again, married filing jointly. Um, and there's some ways to do this. First of all, if you've got a 401k, 403b plan at work, you want to maximize those. Because the more money you have in that, the lower your tax bill. So that's that might be step one. Now, step two. Yes. So if you're a doctor that has um, your own practice, again, we frequently do something called a defined benefit plan, like a cash balance plan. I'll explain in a minute how this works. But you can actually layer these on top of a 401k or a 403b. And it's additional money that you can set aside for retirement that you don't have to pay tax on today, the net net is, it once again, it reduces your income for today. Um, and then finally, 
I see doctors not taking um, good care with their receipts and they're not deducting every possible business expense. So one of the changes in the new law is if you're a W-2 employee and you uh, have business expenses that are not reimbursed, but you still need to do them, you're not going to be able to deduct those like you could in the past. That's a, that's a concern for W-2. But if you're a business owner, even if it's a small $10,000 a year payment from your locum work, there's a ton of business deductions that you can take and you should take. Because once again, that reduces your income. That means less taxes. Can you give us an example of what those deductions might be? Absolutely. I, we could probably do an entire list. So uh, some important ones would be you can deduct your cell phone, you can deduct your computer, you can deduct your internet access at home, um, certain car expenses you can deduct. Um, I've actually seen people get more and more interested in deducting for home offices. So if your office space at home that you use to write reports or look at slides or, you know, whatever your particular uh, specialty may be, let's just say that's 10% of the square footage of your home. Well, you can deduct 10% of your mortgage and your interest. You can deduct 10% of all of your utilities. You can deduct 10% of the cleaners that come. You can deduct 10% of the people who shovel your snow. It kind of goes on and on. So you're saying if you were a W-2 employee, none of those expenses could be deducted? Your cell phone, your computer, et cetera? Right. That's right. But you can if you've got this side income or maybe you own your own practice. Oh, interesting. So that really seems to penalize the employee model of healthcare delivery. It, it Once again, yes, in many ways it is penalized. But what I'm hoping people get out of our conversation today is, is the point you made earlier hello, it might be time to thinking about doing the side gig. Excellent. So I hope all of you out there heard that. Think about the side gig. Think about what some alternate income could be. Think about what you enjoy. Perhaps that could be an opportunity, like you said, to do some speaking engagements or to do book royalties if your passion was to always publish. Maybe this is the time to think about it, given that the government is now incentivizing you to do so. Really well said. And while they're thinking about this, I want them to think about not just from a tax standpoint and increasing wealth, which are very, very important, but I also want to think about is what brings you joy in your life? I, if you're in medicine and it's not bringing you joy, then maybe you need a different specialty. Maybe we need to rethink, maybe you need to go to part-time. Maybe there's some things to do. So I've never seen an impossible case, Christy. I think there's always some things that we can do with finances to make it better. Excellent. So we just learned that we want to maximize business expenses. And Catherine, perhaps I'll ask you to put a list together and we can put that in the show notes so people can focus in on how that might apply to their tax deductions to be able to take advantage of this benefit. So on that same thread, Catherine, what are some other things that physicians can do to reduce their income? Absolutely. Happy to do that. Well, let me talk a little bit about a radiologist we have in Montana. And he's part of a practice with a partnership with other radiologists. Um, I'd say he's 40-ish. Um, so he's able to maximize his 401k. So he puts in 18500 into his 401k. But the partnership also puts in another 36500 into the profit-sharing portion of this. Net-net, that's 55000 a year that he's not paying tax on this year. It is, 
And it's all, and it's accumulating towards retirement. That's really, really good news, particularly under the new laws. Now, what's fascinating to me is to me, any partnership should be doing this. I'm amazed at how many orthopedic surgeons I have. Their partnerships are not taking advantage of this. So I don't know what the situation is, but it's something they really need to start looking at now. So anyway, that was step one for the radiologist. Step two, this partnership then put together what's called a cash balance plan. It's a different type of retirement plan, which we can go into at some other time. But he had another 42000 a year that was going into his cash balance plan. So when you add 42000 and 55000 you can see that that was close to $100,000 that he was not paying tax on, which is getting him below that level so that he could take advantage of that 20% deduction that we we're talking about. So that sounds like an amazing win here in 2018. But again, this is tax deferred income. So at some point he will have to pay taxes on that $100,000. Yes. Now that is the ugly side of this. So if he's not paying tax on it today, great, but it does get pushed in the future where that money is growing and growing. And let's face it, the tax laws are going to change. So he is faced with the situation that at some point in the future, he's going to have to pull out a much larger number, could be larger taxes and have to pay taxes on it in the future. And you've really hit upon something that's a big part of the balancing act that we have to do with doctors, which is, do we pay taxes today? We know exactly what it's going to be. We know what it's going to cost. Or do we push them into the future where we have no idea what the tax rates are going to be? It's a bit of a juggling act. It's time for you to get out your crystal ball, I think. I wish I had that. The interpretations are still in a state of flux. But it is some chance to maybe be creative with our income strategies and our saving strategies. So again, to me, when I hear you speak, it just highlights the need to have a really good advisor and a really good accountant. Absolutely. I, this, it's gotten so complicated, you couldn't possibly do this on your own. And nor would you want to, because when you're doing these creative uh, tax strategies that some accountants are coming up with, you want to make sure that that accountant is signing the tax return. And the reason is, A, if you're an accountant is signing the tax returns, you're much less likely statistically to be audited. But if you are audited, you need that accountant to stand behind those strategies. And good accountants uh, would have errors in emissions insurance. So if they screwed up, you're not going to have to pay that. Now, on the other hand, if they've just purported to have a strategy that maybe the IRS shuts down, well, you may still have to pay tax on it. You're no worse off than you would have been before. But when you've got that accountant there, hopefully you wouldn't have to pay interest on that tax strategy. That wasn't paid to begin with. So a lot of good reasons to get an accountant there and get them in early. Excellent. Well, thankfully, um, it seems that there are a number of accountants out there, and I'm always appreciative of their efforts and why they would take on a job where they're working 20 hours a day for <laughs> part of their part of their year. I'll never know. Um, they look very stressed and they look very frazzled and harried, and, and my heart goes out to them. But thank you, accountants. I do appreciate all the work that you do. We all do. Because uh, they're the ones that have been reading these laws, writing lots of good articles for us so, so the rest of us can use it to help our clients. All right, Catherine. So as we close here, highlight the pearls and pitfalls for us. Well, once again, there's never been a better time for docs to have side income. Uh, this is definitely your time to get ahead. I would say number two, get advice from a really good CPA and financial advisors. The rules are in flux. You want to make sure that you're maximizing them and really taking advantage of them. And finally, don't 
wait. This could save you a lot in taxes, but if you wait till the end of the year, a lot of the strategies you may want to use, you won't be able to backdate to January 1 of this year. You can only use them when you put them into place. And if you wait and do that in November, December, then you've lost the opportunity to save taxes from earlier in the year. So once again, don't procrastinate. Excellent. Well, great information and content as always. We appreciate your efforts to make our physician community more financially literate. And I will refer you again to our audience to the show notes where we'll be listing business expenses that can be deducted. Thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you next month. Bye-bye. Get a good job with more pay than you're okay. Money, it's a gas. Grab that cash with both hands.